Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale. And in this week's episode, I'm sitting down and talking with Chris from Rock Brewing Company. Well, I had a great time talking with Chris in the podcast. We were able to drive out there uh, a month and a half ago, I think, and, and sit down and talk with him and uh, recorded this right in the tap room. It was really interesting to hear his perspective on New York State beer. And that is, you know, his obvious passion and admiration for the quality beer that exists in New York State with the all with the understanding that we probably don't need a hundred new breweries to pop up in the state. Um, and so it was really interesting just to, to hear that perspective because I haven't heard that before. Um, I hear people talk about how much they love beer and, you know, there's so much space, come open a brewery. And I hear people talk about how much other breweries suck all the time. And uh, so it was really interesting to hear um, uh, his perspective. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Um, getting out of Rochester is something that Nicole and I have been doing now for the past, you know, two months. We made a couple trips out there. It's been a lot of fun. You know, I, I you know, if you follow us on Instagram, you've seen the videos we've been posting. And, um, yeah, it's just great. The, the, the owners in Rochester have, the ones that we've interacted with so far, have, for the majority, have been welcoming and responsive and... Um, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun to get out there and get outside of central New York to talk about food in other parts of the state. And so we're just hoping to continue to do that. Um, I don't know when we're going to make our way out to Buffalo, but I do want to because there's so many phenomenal restaurants out there that I have on our radar. And we're planning a trip down to New York City here in the next month to head down there for a day and, and, and go visit a bunch of restaurants we have on the list down there and maybe do a podcast or two. Um, so yeah, it's just been a lot of fun to expand outside of central New York. Um, I don't want to take up too much time here in this intro. I just want to say this Tuesday, like today's Tuesday that I'm recording this, the podcast is coming out a little bit late this week. Um, but we, it's just been a crazy, crazy, crazy couple of weeks. And this week is going to be even more nuts because we're getting ready for the battle of the wings happening this Friday and Saturday down at the Inner Harbor. So Eat Local New York is going to be giving away the People's Choice Award for Best Wing. So we're going to have a tent set up there selling Eat Local cards and some of our hats and merch and some stickers we just had made. But um, we're also going to be like the voting booth. So if you're coming down to the Battle of the Wings, you can stop by the tent and cast your vote for your favorite wing vendor that's there. Uh, but then I'm also going to be there for 3-1 Fried because uh, we're going to be there selling chicken sandwiches and loaded fries. And it's just, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot, a lot, lot to do, a lot to do. So it's been, uh, it's been a pretty hectic week, but I'm really looking forward to this event. I mean, the, the musical acts um, that are going to be coming are, are really just you know, astounding that we're bringing, you know, they're bringing all these musical acts in for such a, um, a small ticket price. It's like 10 bucks to get into this thing. So uh, it's going to be a great event. I can't wait for it. If you're listening to this and you have nothing to do or you have something to do, cancel those plans and come down to the Inner Harbor because it's going to be a great Friday, Saturday. Uh, but it's going to be a very busy week for Eat Local New York. Uh, and that's it. So without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Chris from Rock Brewing Company. You know, when did you guys get started and, you know, what was that landscape like and all that stuff? Yeah, so we started Rock Brewing um, 
We're going to celebrate 12 years doors open here in June, which is crazy. So I've been in the brewing world 14 years now. So started out of college. A friend and I, uh, my mom bought us a homebrew kit one (laughs) afternoon. And we were like, yeah, let's do this. We're going to go for it. And... Uh, didn't expect, you know, what the the journey has been over the years. And uh, we started off with a one-barrel system, doing some contract brewing with uh, Roarbox at, and John Erlob, huge mentor and helper. I want to take a quick moment and talk about our sponsor for this podcast, and that is Brown Carbonic. They put the fizz in your biz. That's their tagline. It's right there on their website. And, and I don't think truer words have ever been spoken. Uh, Brown Carbonic is a family-owned and operated business here in Central New York. They've been operating for decades, and they offer so much to anyone in the food service industry, not just specifically who offers um, draft beer, but they do. If you're looking for your nitrogen, your CO2 gases, Brown Carbonic has you covered. But really, if it's like beverage-related, they offer it, and uh, everything from ice machines and ice, um, even dish machines and chemicals, to uh, creating their own craft sodas and beverages that they sell. And I, I know I've said this before, but I talk to so many restaurant owners who uh, are listening to the podcast, and they're like, hey, I saw Brown Carbonic as a sponsor. That's cool. We've been working with them for the last 10 years. We love them. you got to check out Brown Carbonic if you are listening to the podcast and you are an owner of a restaurant or food service business and you need any of those things that I mentioned, definitely reach out to them at 315-454-3591. Again, that's 315-454-3591. Brown Carbonic. Again, great local company. And why wouldn't you work with a local company? Especially if you're a listener to the Eat Local New York podcast. Right? It makes sense. So give them a call. See what they can do for you today. And now... Back to the episode. Uh, Then in 2014, my business partner moved on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just my mom and I. And we brought on Nick, our current head brewer, uh, who's been here coming up on nine years now, Hmm. which he's also very crazy to think. Uh, We brought in a seven-barrel brew house, Hmm. brought all of our production back in, uh, and have been producing out of here since then. And Hmm. then in... 2020, we decided that we were going to expand, uh, took over the whole entire uh, building. So we went from 2,800 square foot brewery with 600 square foot tap room to a 2,800 square foot tap room <laughs> with 7,000 square foot brewery. So uh, I got a full restaurant and, you know, very unique experience here. But the landscape's changed so much since we've opened. Oh, so Yeah, 12 years. What's that? What was that like? having the space like owning the business and the tap room and having to rely on somebody else for the contract brewing is that was that easier was it more challenging because it's like okay i need this beer but i'm relying on their production schedule yeah so there's definitely been some of those challenges i mean we still do some contracting so our um biggest best-selling beer is the whoop ass double ipa okay and we do that in cans out at resurgence so that we can keep up with the wegman's accounts and honestly, we've been very fortunate. Um, when we started working with Roarbox, they were great to us mm-hmm. and really helpful, really got us off the ground. They had the two systems. They had their seven barrel and then their 20 barrel system. Mm. So we could play around with batch sizes. And 
wasn't too much of an issue, but definitely there was a point where we needed to take control back yeah. and really scale up the amount of offerings that we had okay. that were more than just the three core brands that we did there and then all the little brands here. It, it really needed that level of consistency and quality. So yeah. having that, hmm. that was the big part was it allowed us to, to play around all the time with what we wanted to do um, at a scale that really worked. So. Yeah. I've got I can't imagine the mindset of uh, having a beer that you're putting out that's yours that's being brewed somewhere else. I've never thought of it like that before. I, anytime I've had the, con the conversation about contract brewing, I'm, I'm having it in the brewery that has this massive system that's doing it for other people so they can stay afloat, not the brewery that needs the contract, you know. And uh, so that's really interesting. I've never put myself in those shoes before. Um, was that like, is that a, is that a tough situation to be in to think about like quality control or trying every beer that comes off the system? Yeah. I mean, it's a big thing of setting up the right relationship too. So we've, we had one time where we were trying to work with someone who was great and they were, they were worked with us, but we just couldn't get it right. We couldn't get the same consistency mm. and ultimately parted friends and just, you know, both ate part of the cost and, and, but it, it came down to having a good relationship going into that. Yeah. And we have a really great relationship with Resurgence and it makes it easy. We know all the brewers there. We, we spend a lot of time getting to know each other, mm -hmm. um, do stuff together. So cool. it makes it real easy. And we knew right away that we could hit the consistency and quality. Um, so yeah. we've been fortunate. I know that's not always the case. Yeah. Um, so we don't have to do a ton of quality control. But when we bring it in-house, we do uh, tasting panels with it, mm. uh, make sure that's on point to what we want it to be, and we've been very fortunate. So we were, all, we were talking a little bit before we got started about how many breweries in an area is too many. A conversation I've had a lot on the podcast and off the podcast over the years. But So there's 15 here in, in Rochester, is that right? Yeah, in downtown Rochester, okay. the city itself, there are 15 breweries now. If you get into Monroe County, it's about 40. Mm -hmm. And if you get into like the Finger Lakes region, you're 200 plus. In, in just like the small area around Rochester. So the greater Rochester area, yeah. It's, it's a very different landscape you know when we opened up downtown there was Rohrbox production facility and genesee's hmm. production facility you know now there's 15 tap rooms and breweries downtown it's it's a very different place that's wild i mean what's your what are your views on that as somebody who's like deeply ingrained in the industry um because there's is there 600 in the state there's, There's a lot. 529 500. Okay. was the last I heard. Okay. Um, so I'm on the board for New York State Brewers Association. Yeah. We've worked a lot with the local breweries. We, we kind of run 585 Brewers, which is okay. a bunch of us just getting together and drinking <laughs> once a month. But it's it's to the point where, you know, Genesee's opened up their doors and done lab testing for a lot of us. Mm. And we share ingredients, say, you know, your hops didn't come in in time. You know, we'll swap them around. We share yeast. We learn from each other. So it's been great here, and we're a really tight-knit community. Um, but it's also elevated the quality in Rochester, yeah. which is really important. Hmm. Kind of my view is, you know, we're willing to help anyone mm -hmm. um, and glad to. But the industry has changed, and it's really come to the point where we have to start talking about we're a mature market. We're not a growth market. Hmm. 2016 was the last year you saw, like, double-digit growth in mm. craft beer and the last few years has been pretty flat hmm. um 
So, you know, I'm not going to tell you don't try to open a brewery, <laughs> but I am going to warn you, like, we've all made the mistakes <laughs> and you should talk to us before you do because we can help avoid the mistakes that you're inevitably going to make opening a business. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe, you know, there's a lot of breweries out here that are struggling and, and have success but have seen tough times over the last couple of years. Yeah. Maybe you buy a brewery, you know, instead yeah. of opening your own brewery. You know, there's there's other opportunities if you really want to get into this industry. So, yeah. you know, it's definitely going to be an interesting conversation over the next couple of years. Yeah. There's space, too, for people to, like, be able to get their beer brewed for them. Like, right, get their licensing, go through, even if it's open in a small tap room or trying to go the bottle or can route. Still wildly expensive and a risk, but... Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting time where there's still a lot of capacity out there. Mm-hmm. So we've done some contracting before. We, we contract our beer. We, we make beer for other people. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities there that you can get in and work with someone and not have the full brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, having a full brewery is a big investment. And yeah. I think people underestimate that. And so, yeah, there's definitely opportunities out there for people if they want to have their beer or if you're a restaurant and you want to have your beer right house beer you know that can be done without you having to go and make your own brewery of it yeah too. right god i hope there isn't a restaurant out there that's ever done that but <laughs> i'm sure that someone has has probably done that I, I forget who was telling me that uh most of like brooklyn brewery's beer is contracted out so yeah so brooklyn brewery um steve hindy awesome guy actually probably one of the big inspirations of why I got into craft beer, his book oh, really? really was the tipping point for me to jump right in. Hmm. Um, they started almost all of their production, even today, now they're shutting down the Williamsburg location. They got kind of pushed out with development. Wow. Um, and they've done a lot of investment now into FX Matt Brewing Company, but the yeah. FX Matt, they approached them in the beginning and really built this great partnership. So most of their beer for their entire existence has been produced at uh, FX Matt Brewing Company. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. But it's been a great partnership for both of them. So doing this for 12 years, uh, you know, in the industry for 14, do you, do you kind of, like, what's the sense of responsibility that you feel for, like, the, like, being a leader in the industry and, like, kind of the beer that you're putting out? You, you Do you feel like any sort of, not to be, like, too heavy, but do you feel like some sort of a weight behind that? Because that's a really big deal to and I you know I know for myself like very different things but you know doing this for eight nine years there was a day where I kind of like woke up and I was like okay like and on my area I'm the I'm the you know I have the most capacity of anybody else and that was kind of like a sobering moment for me to say I can't just do anything anymore Right. Yeah. There's definitely, and there's been a few times as I have experienced in my career where I'm not a kid anymore, (laughs) even though, you know, I still love cartoons and Star Wars all day. Um, But we have, we have this responsibility in some ways, especially locally. We found that rock brewing has become just a voice Mm. too for our community. Um, Part of it was the 585 Brewers where we just, wanted to celebrate our community with our friends and and support the brewers around us and Mm. give us the support too so you know that kind of happened then i joined the board and now Mm. as i'm coming to my final term on the board Mm. um you know i'm one of 
the longest running board members that currently are on the board. So it's, it's definitely this responsibility of, I want to help make this community better. Yeah. Um, and selfishly too, it helps me if this community is better then we do better. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so much that we, we, we focus on quality. Mm. We focus on community. We focus on making Rochester something special and New York state, because a lot of people still don't drink New York state beer yeah. and celebrate it, even though it's some of the best beer in the world. Are there places that in other like beer, uh, communities or, uh, markets that you look at for inspiration or breweries that you're you know, looking at and saying, what are they making and, and kind of what's coming up on the horizon for our area? Yeah. So there's definitely these interesting pockets. And I, I think, I think a big part of what makes New York great is also what hurts New York. New York's so diverse. And mm-hmm. so there isn't a straight New Yorker, right? There isn't yeah. that consistent. I mean, New York say they like to think right. they are, yeah. but even then, you know, that's such a major world city mm-hmm. that, you don't get the loyalty that you get from like Vermont. You know what someone in Vermont, you can picture them in your head, right. you know, <laughs> uh, someone who lives in Asheville, North Carolina, Portland, Oregon, yeah. some of these places where they really celebrate their local craft beer. Mm. Um, you know, you don't have that in New York. Uh, and mm. how do we get people to love their state, you yeah. know, and that's, and it's, you're marketing to so many different people. So, yeah. you know, we focused a lot on our city mm. and making our city great and being a part of our city um, because Rochester now really is a truly craft beer destination. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's tough, right? Like that's the big one that we've been trying to fix mm. for years. Ever since I've been on the board, it was talk is like, how do we move from 5% New York mm. state craft on tap to like even 15 to 12 so yeah open a distributor <laughs> yeah yeah right you know so it's definitely it's definitely a crazy one out there of yeah how do we how do we make people love this craft beer in a state that is just so diverse and so different so yeah i talk uh talking with tim from buried acorn which there is a drinking game here on the Eat local new york podcast every time i bring up buried acorn you have to take a drink <laughs> uh so for those of you listening that's your first clue talking to him off record about beer distribution was like a very eye-opening you know experience for me um and how much of a pain that can be uh i think it's eased a little bit in some ways for them but uh yeah it feels like that's for a brewery that's trying to go from like really build their brand and get outside of just like tap room sales that could be the thing that you know hinders their growth yeah, and it's going to be a much different market. Um, we've seen a lot of changes over the years. There was a point where, you know, buy local craft, it's yeah. sold everywhere. Um, then there was a little more matured, but now there's a real change in consumer trends. And I've worked with a couple of different distributors, you know, good, bad, all around, right? And yeah. it's on both sides. Like, you have to understand that your distributor isn't always the problem and they're always the problem, (laughs) but you're just as much always the problem. Um, You know, you have to invest as much in as as they do. Um, And it's gotten harder, you know, there's definitely a change in the larger distribution scene of, okay, you know, the big companies like InBev Mm -hmm. are done with craft beer. I mean, they're starting to shut down some of their places, they're cutting employees, 
they're mm. telling their houses like, hey, like focus on our core brands and do you see these shiny new craft cocktails? Mm. Let's talk about those. And it's the, the market's changed, customers have changed. Mm. Um, trying to become a big regional brewery, it's not there anymore. And uh. it's not a solid business plan in the current market. Distro right now is really, really hard. Um, bars and restaurants didn't bounce back that well, mm. are struggling, sticking to brands they know will sell. They're, yeah. they're gonna sell, um, you know, nothing against, love Southern Tier. They're gonna sell Southern Tier because their customers know Southern Tier. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely a difficult time to just say, like, I'm gonna jump into a distributor and they're gonna, I'm gonna blow up because that. It's like, cool, but like, you're gonna have to put the investment behind it. You're gonna have to have a sales rep. If you don't have a sales rep in the market, you're not selling. Yeah. So, you think that's kind of the progression? Is that like the foreseeable future for brewing in at least upstate? Is kind of like the the medium micro brewery, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's going to be a big part of it. I think there's going to be some consolidation. I think there's going to be breweries that merge together to you know help with efficiencies. Uh, I think there are going to be closures. Mm-hmm. It, it's just the reality of when you get to this point in a business that is such a mature market yeah there's some ins and outs um yeah it's gonna be definitely a crazy couple of years but focus on what makes you guys great and what you guys do well um versus trying to chase trends and stuff um or getting too big too fast you know that Mm. that's going to be the tricky pinch point for a lot of people i think yeah i like i look at videos from uh beer drops six seven eight years ago and you know like like now and later you know in syracuse you know they would have there'd be a new beer drop from a specific beer specific brewery and and uh um uh and not talking about just like the you know the net but you know so and there'd be people lined up around the block right and you know multiple posts on limits of how many cans you can get or whatever and trying to figure out how as like somebody who's in marketing for beer people, how I could help them get there. I've been trying to figure out for the past couple of years. I think I've ultimately determined that's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and so I just, but I wonder like, will those days ever come back? You know, I think there's going to be some of those hyperies that are going to pop up. I mean, um, just, an interesting example is there are, you know, some breweries that before you couldn't ever get into a store and distro, you had to go to the place and you had to stand in line. And now all of a sudden you see them on the shelves. Well, it's not because they necessarily want to be on the shelves. Right. Uh, it's because no one's in those lines like they used to be. And that's just how brands change. Um, there are definitely going to be some. You know, there's yeah. still some that are really hot brands, um, and you have to then decide what is going to be that model for you. You know, hmm. Mortalis, good friends with those guys, uh, had a lot of that, but now have spread deeper into the market with opening up a tap room downtown yeah. um, and trying hmm. to reach their customers in different ways versus trying to go distro. But yeah. we'll see. Hmm. I don't think we're going to see as many breweries do that, and if you're opening your doors expecting that, um, it's going to be a hard lesson because that doesn't happen to 
every brewery. That's one in a thousand that that happens to. So hmm. uh, you can't build <laughs> your model on that. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. It really is an interesting world. Um, you know, to think of like, you know, I'm 36, but still like being an, like an early drinker of craft beer, you know, it's always kind of like that, or it's always, drinking in general has always been sort of like that, let's tie one on sort of a mentality. And that's something I, ne I don't ever see in like the, the branding or hype or marketing from any craft, you know, brewery. Nobody's saying like, come drink 12 of them tonight, you know? And yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things too, where like, obviously drink responsibly. That's, right. Yeah. yeah. It's gotta be the focus. And that's always been kind of the focus of craft yeah. is, you know, we make better quality beer. It has, you know, all these aspects that are better. That's worth more. That's why you pay more. Um, but also it's been a little bit of responsibility. Um, but you know, we see people tie one on. Yeah. I, there's definitely a switch in the market too, of like, having a lager, you know, and mm. that, that focus on crisp, low ABV, American style lagers and doing those well. And, mm. you know, so we're seeing more of those, the lawnmower beer to yeah. say, um, but mm. you know, it's, 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 again, it's all over the place. Cause you have on the far other spectrum is the milkshakiest, like <laughs> craziness, um, that isn't quite beer, but it's beer. Um, you know, so uh, you always got to kind of juggle those, you know, yeah. what make what the kids want, but then like <laughs> what your customers are actually consistently coming for, make sure you're doing that. Too. Yeah. But I was at a, I've, I've told the story a few times in the podcast, but Big Mike, who owned IBU in, in Syracuse, uh, you know, I was at a brewer's meeting with him and, uh, and a bunch of other guys in Syracuse once, and he said, he's like, look, None of us want to make these double IPAs, hazy, whatever. You know, we all want to make this style or that style, but no one's buying it. So right. we have to. And I, I, actually, that meeting was about, because I think it was when farm licenses, the percentage was getting bumped up uh -huh. of what you could purchase to keep, still hold that license or be considered a farm brewery. And, uh, and so that's what, that's what the conversation was about. And yeah, I've often thought about that because there, there's not too many. There's, there's a few, but there's not too many... Um, like Tim at Buried Acorns, a drink, if you're listening, uh, I feel like he's, I think, feel like they've done a really good job of, you know, pushing, he's known for his wild fermented barrel aged sours. Right. And a lot of people know that about them, I think. Um, and there's not too many that I know, not too many places that I know where it's like, oh, we're, we're going to go there for that style and here for that style. Yeah. You know? I, those days I think are gone too. Uh, Cause you know, back in the day, there was Omega, and yeah. they were known for that. And then Nirvana comes out because they had to make a Belgian <laughs> hazy IPA because that's what everyone was drinking. Um, you know, even up the street, uh, we love Strangebird, great guys, and, and Eric over there is doing some crazy stuff in the barrel room. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but like Nikki and Mika on the other side are, you know, Bird Light is keeping the <laughs> lights on too at the same time, you know. Um, and they're pumping through that stuff. So, yeah, there's not real like if you're gonna open up and try to be a niche brewery mm -hmm. and you're gonna brew what you love, it's gonna be hard. Yeah. It's gonna be very hard. Um, we love loggers, mm -hmm. and we've been brewing a lot of them lately, and people love them. So yeah. you know, right now we're getting to brew what we love. Mm. But yeah, you know, we still have our hazy IPA that sells really well. Our double IPA still are 
top seller. Yeah. Um, but like, it's very rare that you get a brewery where you get to brew what you love and love to drink and people <laughs> love it too. And unless you're crazy about the hazy IPAs and stuff and yeah, you know, which amen to them. <laughs> you know, so was there a time over the last 12 years that you really struggled with that kind of concept? Uh, I feel like you're always a little bit, you know, people think you, you, you get into a brewery, you're going to make a lot of money. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it's drinking all the time. I mean, it's, it's still owning a business yeah. and, uh, you know, over the course of 12 years, things have changed so much. Mm. Uh, and we're just a small you know, little pocket of that versus, you know, some of these other breweries that, you know, are coming up on that three, five year, mm. they were a little hypey. Now what's the next move? You know, versus some of like the tree houses that just like exploded. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been fortunate enough. Uh, if 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 tomorrow everyone was going crazy for our hazy IPAs and that's all we could make, fine. I'd be skinnier. <laughs> I'd drink a lot less. Totally fine. Like I don't. I, I it wouldn't hurt me to not drink as much. You know? yeah. So, um, but you know, you you just gotta kind of adapt and and focus on what's core to your brand mm. and what is important to you. If you mm. want to be in the business and you want to stay open and you want to create a community, well, you got to make that community uh, and they've got to come in and want what you're offering. So, yeah, yeah. that's good. All right, so what is some advice that you would give? I, I kind of know what you're going to say, but what, what is some of the advice that you would give to someone who is saying they're listening to this, they're home brewing, and they're saying, man, one day I want to open up my own brewery? If you love home brewing, <laughs> stick with home brewing. Uh, not to not to knock anyone. Like you can go. Like I, I was twenty three when we started home brewing. Uh, young, naive, wanted to do it, and my parents supported me very much, and are still very supportive to this day. Um, but it is it is work, and it yeah. is hard. Um, you're not necessarily just gonna make it. Overnight, uh, you're not going to win GABF right off the bat. Um, and if you do, amen. You know that's great. Yeah. Um, honestly, get get into the industry. See if you can work for someone. Um, see what it's like. See what the industry's like. Don't yeah. you don't have to open a brewery to be in the brewing world. Um, hmm. Or if you really, really are serious, and you know, there's a ton of breweries around here that need capital infusions that need help that you know hmm. might just need a change in leadership you know talk to them you know yeah. get involved in your community the first thing that i tell people especially is like either one of two things glad you called me smart move <laughs> let's help you i wish you had called me sooner <laughs> like i made that mistake don't hmm. you didn't have to make that mistake that cost you 20 30 40 thousand dollars yeah but if you called me Right. And it's not like hmm. not everyone's going to be that way. Not every community is as tight knit as Rochester is. But like, yeah, if you're in our area, it's a pretty close knit community and we're going to help. Hmm. Um, but like ask for help. Yeah. Don't don't think you know what you're doing. Uh, don't reinvent the wheel. <laughs> Get some advice. There's there's plenty of it out there. Yeah, that's great. You know, I've got to say, I, you know, there's. It's very rare that I do a podcast with somebody where they talk more about the community of breweries and kind of the industry and less about themselves than you have. And, you know, 
brewery, brewers and people in the industry that I always talk to are always kind of saying the same thing that you're saying. It's like, it's about like the collective. It's not necessarily, you know, and uh, it's about, it's not, so, there's not as much competition, but I just get this really strong sense from you of like, you're more of the, uh, not that others aren't, but uh, that you're just more authentic about it. You know, that's, that's awesome to hear. Uh, honestly, it's, I guess, just who I am. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more important to me to have my community because of how much everyone supported me over the years. Um, you know, Nick, our brewer's phenomenal. Our, this is the best staff I've ever had. Our mm. kitchen team is amazing. The beers we were pumping out are the best we've ever made. Mm. Um, but, like, without our greater community, if we're one brewery here and an island here, we're not necessarily we're not representing what we are and, yeah. and community has always been a cornerstone of, of what we built here. Cause at the end of the day, uh, I like to tell people you're selling an experience yeah. like with 10,000 breweries in America, you're not selling beer anymore. <laughs> you're selling the experience that people want to have with your beer. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so it definitely, I know I'm a little crazy about the community <laughs> here, but we're, we're, we're all really close and friends and, and, I don't know. It's something special and something that people point out a lot. And we just, at this rate, are just accepting. Like, <laughs> yeah, come come to Rochester and see it. Come see us. It's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and having us in to do this. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Appreciate it. There it is, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Local New York podcast. Hope you enjoyed this conversation with Chris from Rock Brewing Company. Make sure you get out to Rochester, check them out, visit them online, go give them a follow on Facebook and Instagram. If you're in Syracuse and you have zero intention of getting out to Rochester anytime soon, then show them some love and just go give them a follow on social media because that helps too. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, you can subscribe whatever platform you're listening to this on. You can find the video version over on our YouTube channel. You can find everything in one nice, neat place over on our website at eatlocalnewyork.com. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We're going to catch you back here next week for a brand new episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. Mm-hmm.